This is Inner Healing Paths podcast. Here we discuss the healing of the mind, body, soul, and spirit through a variety of different paths. We have emotional and spiritually minded conversations centering on ancestral healing, psychology, astrology, yoga, meditation, magic, and indigenous spiritual practices of the world. I am your host, Rosa Shetty, and I am so happy you are here. Welcome. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Rosa. And for this episode, I had the opportunity to sit with Natalie Gutierrez. She is a mental health therapist from New York, and she's an author. She wrote a book titled The Pain We Carry. So she came on the podcast to talk about the process of writing this book, to talk about complex trauma, to talk about the legacy burdens, especially for Black Indigenous people of color. We talked about ancestral healing and reconnection with our Indigenous ancestral ways. And she was so generous in sharing her story, her journey, her creative process. And I am just so grateful that I had the opportunity to have this wonderful conversation with her. Now time for a brief disclaimer. Please know that this episode does not treat or diagnose any physical or mental health condition. This episode does not substitute for healthcare or mental health services. Guests have a right to share their opinion and perspective, and this does not constitute an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. So without further ado, here's my interview with Natalie Gutierrez. Take a listen. Welcome, Natalie, to the podcast. How are you? I'm doing I'm doing great. Thank you for having me, Rosa. I appreciate it. Glad oh, to be no. here. Yeah, no, of course. Thank you so much for for being on and agreeing to be interviewed by me. I really, really appreciate it. <laughs> and I'm so proud of you for doing this too. Oh. I'm just so proud that you're creating this podcast so that our communities can hear it and can continue to to use it as support on their healing journey. So oh. Thank you. Thank you, Natalie. And I know we, uh, just for the folks listening, Natalie and I met in, back in 2018. Right? It was pre-pandemic. <laughs> pre- right? Yeah, it was 2018. <laughs> it was, I think we were both getting started with our Instagram and posting yeah, and we connected right. through that and we just, right. and then we met up one day in person and, and then it feels like it was a whole other lifetime because then the pandemic hit and I had a baby. Oh no, first I had the I had a baby and then the pandemic hit. Right, right. Yeah, so right. it's been, it feels like it's been a long time since we had a moment to catch up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm just like, as you're speaking, going through that timeline, I'm like, was it really 2018? Yeah. Yes, a yeah. lot, a lot. Yeah, when when we met up for lunch that day, I wasn't, I wasn't pregnant I think you were I was pregnant. okay yeah I I shared that with you right okay yeah see I I forgot yeah I was I'm I think it was early on in my pregnancy I wasn't showing right Mm -hmm. at that point no I feel like maybe we have to go back to the pictures (laughs) 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 oh my god but it just it's been a long time so it's so lovely to see you and so much has been going on with you but before we jump into all that can you for the folks that are not familiar with you and the work that you do can you tell us a little bit about who you are where you're from and what work and healing work you, you put out in the world yeah, so I, uh, my name is Natalie Yvette Gutierrez, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist in New York. It used to also be New York and New Jersey, but I don't really, I don't live in New Jersey anymore, and I don't really see people um, in Jersey, so I, I let that license expire. So I am licensed, in, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist in New York. Um, I just want to name that is the ancestral land of the Lenape people. And um, I am a Boricua therapist. I, my focus and my work is really on complex trauma in Black, Indigenous, and um, people of color. Uh, Some which also just also carry other marginalized identities. Um, 
And I just been working, I do a lot of work um, with folks that have complex trauma. I support folks with complex trauma, um, which include racial trauma, uh, which include just all the attachment wounds, right? All the relational trauma, sexual trauma, betrayal trauma. And I've been doing that for about, I, um, 14 years now, since 2008. Um, and I'm also a certified internal family, uh, family systems therapist, right? For those that are familiar, IFS, I do a lot of, and just really understanding our inner world in terms of parts, right? Rather than just one thing that we are a collective within, just as we are a collective outside. Um, and what I want to be doing and what I, what I have in my plans that I'm beginning to build are, I want to do, I want to do healing circles. I want to create healing circles that are for BIPOC that also invite folks to just do parts work, really just understand their own inner worlds and how that also connects with just the cultural burdens, the legacy burdens, right? Intergenerational trauma, tying all of it together because all of it is connected and all of it is rooted in historical trauma and how that's just impacted our lineages over time. And I'm just really fascinated and really passionate about helping our communities heal from um, the present day issues that we carry in our hearts and also the legacy, the legacies of all of that. And I really wanna also do group work, like intergenerational group work. I wanna see more families get together and do the healing work together rather than just individual. Like I want mom and children to come in. I want parents, like so I, I kinda wanna, I envision something like that, putting together something like that in the future, mixed with like curanderismo. So um, that's my passion. <laughs> that's, that's, that's really like um, the work that I've been doing and also that I want to continue to build on and, and do in the future. Oh, that's so beautiful, Natalie. And just hearing you talk about your passion, you know, th this is what is needed. You know, this is, I think this is what the collective needs is that, 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 not just one, not, not healing individually or, you know, but healing in community with yeah. our family, you know, it's, that's what that, that I think that's how, or the root of a lot of, of the healing that, that happens is when we heal, not just ourselves, but our family, our, our, our lineage really, you know, and, and, and healing right. those burdens and going back to what you mentioned earlier. So you talked about legacy burdens, intergenerational trauma. Uh, and I just want to just lay almost like a, just a foundation for the folks listening that may not be so mm -hmm. familiar with these terms. So, or even complex trauma, right? Sometimes people don't really understand what's the difference between complex trauma and post-traumatic stress or just trauma, mm -hmm. you know? So, yeah. so let's go. So let's start with that. So just, in, just in your own perception and with the, with your experience and all the healing work that you do, how do you see, or what is complex trauma versus uh, post-traumatic stress or just trauma in it yeah. itself? Yeah. So how I understand um, complex trauma, really it ties to relational trauma. So relation any any trauma that really happens in a relationship where you are betrayed or where there are attachment ruptures, where there is something just relationally, where there are relational wounds and they continue to happen over time. It's that ongoing exposure to trauma over time that um, it creates toxic stress in the body. It creates toxic stress, especially when we're exposed to these um, I want to say toxic environments or toxic experiences or people that are really hurt that are hurting us over time, that this is what creates that complex PTSD, that complex trauma. And it's how our bodies respond to that. And, and how I understand it really is more of um, alongside having like sensations, um, 
not sensations, but like um, sensational triggers, like hearing something, hearing sounds or smelling something and, and being triggered and activated with that. Complex trauma also has emotional triggers. So if someone says, for example, you're needy, you're so needy, right? That could really hit a core wound of maybe when we were told by our caregivers growing up, that we needed too much or we were too much. And, and that those wounds or those words really cause a lot of wounding within us, right? There are emotional triggers that are attached to complex trauma that are not really there for post-traumatic stress. Um, you know, PTSD, which can be, from how I understand it, it can be just one traumatic event, right? It can be one traumatic event, but it's more tied to the, the triggers that happen with sensations. Complex trauma is the, the stress response or the trauma response in our bodies that are also emotionally linked. Yeah, absolutely. The repetition of that, right? That's some key, right. you know, difference. It's like the the how the frequency and the duration of a specific situation, right? Right. Which, like you said, it could be anything from harsh words and uh, right. to specific right. actions or. I think Gaver Mate gave a very, he said, a, um, I think he said something to the effect of what you didn't get, right? That what you should mm -hmm. have received that you didn't get attention, right? Or something like just receiving attention and love, you know, from a parent, yeah. Maybe you got everything else, right. you got fed and you got sheltered, but you did not get affection and love. You know? Right. So, so it's, so it's more of, of that continuous disruption of that attachment like you said and right. repetitive repetitive sorry repetitive actions that you yeah endured yeah right and when you and when, one of the things that I love about your work Natalie is that you have uh you add another layer to it which is seeing it from the perspective of what on top of what we experience right is then what society has burdened uh, especially when right. i say us i see i, I say i mean specifically black indigenous people of color and, and, right. and that added layer i feel that is is one of the things that 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 I, I think stands you out you know in terms of the work that you do and of course the book which we'll get into but tell me a little bit about how you see that added layer that society puts on on bipoc, BIPOC yeah. people yeah yeah, so I feel like it's multi-layered in a sense that, you know, when you're going back to um, the the betrayal trauma or the or the attachment wounding, right? Like what our parents did or did not do, right? If you were abused physically, if you were abused sexually, um, if you were abandoned, if you were emotionally emotionally neglected or abused or physically neglected and abused, right? That, that, that this parenting, this parenting came, this, this, or lack thereof, right? This came from somewhere mm -hmm. that there are ties to what parents could and could not do. And a lot of this dates back to, well, what was what was happening for them, right? Like mm -hmm. they were probably traumatized themselves. And then they're parenting children from a place of their own unresolved trauma, right? From their place of avoidance, from their place of like just not knowing any better a lot of the time. And this stems from somewhere. This stems from historical trauma, right? That all yeah. the historical trauma, all the ancestral trauma that lives in our in our lineage and also the attachment wound being passed down over time right these are the legacy burdens the patterns in our family of abuse the patterns of neglect that is passed down all throughout the generations and that that's rooted in historical trauma and also there are the current day pressures of society like the larger culture when you think about how we are all grew up in a, in a in a system that is racist that perpetuates racism that perpetuates oppression and a lot of isms right that all of this is is what we breathe every day this is in the water we drink right this has polluted the air and so naturally it impacts our families it impacts how they are with us 
And then also how we are with our own kids, so on and so forth, with our, with our friends and all of relationships. And so when we think about complex trauma in terms of uh, relational trauma, it's also important to think about the relationships we have outside of our own families, that this is the relationship we have with community. This is relationships that we have with the institutions that we grow up in and the laws that govern us, right? The relationships we have with law enforcement. Like there's just so much rupture that is there. There's so much, there's so much hurt, there's so much trauma. And so I um I'm really wanting to see it all like from a broader understanding of how everything is really interconnected and how it's just like this domino effect or this ripple effect of pain that is passed down and all of it is relational. Okay. Thank you for that. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, you mentioned it's in the, the air, the water we drink, you know, for, for folks, you know, getting started on this journey of understanding what they've been burdened with systemically and then personally with their family you know, how would you say is uh, in your in, in your experience? What is that first that window into becoming aware that this is this is everywhere, or maybe this is I've been so desensitized or that I didn't even notice how it's affected me more. The, I'm talking about more of the systemic the systemic um, burdens that are placed on BIPOC. How, how what what do you what would you say is the, the a small window so people can start getting some awareness of how this is impacting them. Like being curious, just wanting to make mm. sure that I, mm-hmm. I think being mm-hmm. curious. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Well, both of them is it's around being curious yeah. about our, what's happening for us, what's happening for us in the moment. Right. And then also asking, seeing how we want to respond and seeing how we actually yeah. respond to something or how somebody is responding to us. Mm-hmm. Um, but being curious about our own response, being curious about our own thoughts, being curious about is what I'm doing or mm-hmm. is what I'm feeling or is what I'm thinking tied to something deeper than just my experience here right is this is this is this a response or a reaction to something that is happening present day which yes and also is this deeper does this go deeper absolutely yeah and and it might be you know I, I know I'm looking as you're talking I'm thinking back to how just my own journey and I'm becoming more aware of of how systemic racism for example right has affected me and when did that become and and I'm thinking it really did come by hearing it somewhere right learning about it and then like you said being curious about well or really reflecting on well how does it play out at the, you know, at work or with my boss yeah. or at the grocery, you know, how does it play mm-hmm. out? And really, like you said, being curious about exploring that yeah. in ourselves. Yeah. How was it right. for you? How, how did that, you know, just in your own journey, how did you, what was your window into understanding, you know, how you've been impacted by, by this, by, by this systemic trauma or burden? Yeah, I feel like I'm still doing it. I feel like there's yeah. so many ways that I, I, you know, I'm still learning there. I want to say the beginning, like, I'm thinking, I, I mean, I feel like some of it was there here and there, like here and there, I would say, you know, the way that we respond to certain things like in, in, you know, in my family, this feels like a bit much, like this feels like a lot or like this feels wrong <laughs> that I always have to be working and that I can't relax. Like this feels really wrong. <laughs> um, wow. But yeah. then being like, you know, okay, but I guess I have to mm. do, you know, really just kind of internal that this internalized meritocracy of like, 
Mm. You know, I, I, successful because I work hard, right? You're wow. successful because yeah. you work hard. Um, I think some of these narratives I've also perpetuated, right? Mm-hmm. Like I've also said these things too when I believe them. But I, I really want to say like this journey started maybe when I, yeah, when I moved, when I started grad school in, well, actually, yeah, yeah. I want to say when I started grad school and I started to really think about the things that I had learned that I thought were part of my personality, um, when, especially when I moved to, I did my master's um, in Hawaii. When I went out there, I just learned so much about who I was out there and how I had learned, I mean, just all the internalized capitalism and all the just internalized messages that I had to produce, produce, produce in order to be worthy. I mean, I I really started to look at that then and I started to question a lot of things about how I was also perpetuating harm, right? Um, A lot of the, a lot of the, um, I don't want to say self-hatred, but a lot of this, my own internalized racism of how I spoke because I had an accent or, um, you know, really wanting to like assimilate and wanting to sound white, whatever that was, because that was synonymous with like, you're educated when you sound like that. Right. That's, that's where I learned that. Well, who, right. No one actually yeah. said that to me. No one actually yeah. sat me down and said, but you, you just, just know. Knew. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. No. Yeah. You pick up the cues, right. You pick up the cues in your environment that teach you that. So, um, <clears throat> I think it's been a really long journey. I've not arrived. Um, yet I'm still learning about all the ways because it's just so intricate and it's so multi-layered in all the ways that we internalize all of the messaging from society and also how we we ourselves cause hurt with those same messages because we don't know better yes yeah I think that's the biggest for, for me lately it's been understanding how just in my own life how I've kind of continued that right or at least yeah. just mentally how I kind of um, just certain privileges that we have that I have that I wasn't really aware of but I benefited from you know yeah. just because uh, you know l- l- I mean just talking about colorism for example in the right and and you know what one of the things that I realized is not just in the Latinx community no, it's but not. it's everywhere uh, my husband he, his heritage is Indian and it's it's also huge there I don't know if it's, it's shifting for that community but it is colorism is a huge thing yeah. I mean literally when a child is born um this is what I I heard from my my husband's family is that that the first thing the aunties ask is like oh are, you know are they lighter or they're dark you know it's like they they immediately it's, it's and I know from my family you know my where I come from that's the thing too so mm-hmm. learning how doesn't matter what part of the world you're from the colorism is real is there and is so it's so um how can you say it's like going back to the air we breathe yeah we don't even think about it right so right. It's, for me it's it's honestly it's just that starting with that right and and what's happening now for me is yeah is just really looking at catching myself basically when I'm thinking certain things saying certain things and where is that stemming from yeah yeah, yeah. just the other day um I took my sons to get haircuts and one of my sons has curly hair like me and the other one has like straighter hair and the um hairstylist was cutting the one that has straight hair first and she just kept saying oh such good hair such good hair and and I'm like I remember when I used to say that I remember when I used to say when I used to think that my curls were not good hair and I used to always, you know, I used to just want to always, I used to straighten my hair. I never wanted my hair to be curly ever, ever, ever. Um, and it's not that straightening your hair is a bad thing, right? But we, when we do it from a place of intention and choice, it's different rather than we, when we do it from a reflex response, because we've been taught that our hair shouldn't take up space or our hair needs to look like this, right? Exactly. Um, and so, you know, it's just, and, and I know that this person wasn't trying to be intentionally harmful and the language that we use, right. And, and, and the belief that we have around what is good hair and what is, you know, 
what if if there's good hair there has to be another kind of hair mm, <laughs> so like absolutely what is the what is the bad hair what what does that look like you know so it's it really is just there and i remember believing that i remember believing mm. like my hair was not good hair Hmm. See, and, and these are the small things that accumulate over time mm-hmm. that really create our beliefs about ourselves in the world. It's these little things, right? Little by little, since we were young, yeah. hearing this over and over and over, eventually you be- it becomes your what you believe to be true. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It, so Natalie, uh, you you have mentioned the term legacy burdens, and uh, mm-hmm. I just wanted to to um, define or just mm-hmm. uh, if you can share a little bit about what that is in terms because I know that's a term that is used in internal family systems theory so for mm-hmm. the folks listening uh, how would you define legacy burdens what does that look like from your line of, of work yeah um, I appreciate that question so legacy burdens is really the energies the belief systems, all that we inherit from our family. So our elders, our family, our ancestors, it's the stuff that we've inherited from our lineages um, or the people that we grew up with, because sometimes, I mean, there are, there are folks, right, that don't have um, connections with their biological families, but are raised in different families. So um, it is, the beliefs that we have inherited about ourselves, about the world. And it's also energies, right? Like the energetic field that, that, that we are, that we grow up in are because our everywhere that we go has energy. Right. Um, But it's also just energy that lives within us that maybe we don't have words for, but like what we were just talking about, like there, there, there doesn't have to be things explicitly stated for us to know. Right. So it's the energies and the beliefs and all of that, that we, and the narratives that we inherit from family um, that really weigh us down, that really hurt us, that really wound us. So that, that's where the burdens come in. So the legacy, right. It's what came before us within our lineage, within our family, within the people that we grew up in and, and ancestrally. And then there is the burden piece, which is the part that weighs us down, right? They're mm. not the heirlooms that we inherit, right? They're not the gifts or the resources, but they are um, the stuff that really hurts us. Absolutely. And I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but we all have legacy burdens. We all have legacy resources, right? We all have yeah, both. Right. Right. Unless and, you grew up in a perfect family, which I don't, which I don't <laughs> think it known. exists. <laughs> right. Every, yeah, we all, even if it's not from our family, you know, we all come from a specific lineage and we've all, you know, that's just the history of the world, but yeah. we all have both. And I think it's important to understand that we, we have both, but we have, we have a lot of resources too, that a lot right. of strength and resilience and, and right. a lot of gifts that we got from, from our lineage. Right. so in your work um how do you guide you know folks to connect to those resources how do you guide or what would you say is the start of reconnecting with that or were you equate that to the healing you know healing from trauma reconnecting with their ancestral resources How, how do you see that I you know I found that when I when I ask people to explore within themselves what those resources are, I usually start with, well, you know, we've talked about the stuff that has been painful in your family, right? Are there any things that you got that you really appreciate that you like? What are, what are some of those heirlooms, right? What are some of those gifts? Well, and this is what I usually hear, right? We love music. Mm, Music has been really healing for us. Or we love dance or um, we love our connection to land or we love our connection to the spirit world or, you know, plants or um, art or, you know, these kind of things. Great. Like, let's start there. Can we use that then and build on that so that we can continue to build, to use this as how we, as, as something that we go to when we're feeling stressed, 
something that we can go to when we're feeling alone and when we're feeling that we need connection, right? Can we use this to, to help our healing, right? That that's holding on to your resources. That's holding on to, and beginning to just, um, identify, just even identify what you also, what you also got that you appreciate about your lineage. That is so beautiful, Natalie. And as you're talking about it, I'm thinking back at, you know, my, my own family and, and what has been the resources and and try to think as you're talking quickly, how has it helped me? And and I'm thinking about art, you know, just, it Mm -hmm. came to mind, you know, just, um, I remember folks in my family talking about how so-and-so was an artist, like they drew really well, or so-and-so was a carpenter and they made these beautiful furniture pieces, you know, and I'm thinking, how has my healing developed? And it's been through creativity. So it's so fascinating. Sometimes we don't even connect the dots, right? Of how so much of our own healing comes through that connection with what was our ancestral what what were their strengths what what where did they find joy where do they find peace what has what endured you know through all the obstacles and everything that they went through what has carried on despite all of that yeah and when we and most of the time like you said music art food Food. right yeah (laughs) we both said it yeah (laughs) yeah so beautiful And I, you know, and I've also found for myself and, you know, for other people that there, you know, sometimes even the word ancestry or ancestors can be activating because not everyone has the privilege to know their ancestors, right? Um, And we like to say ancestors known and unknown because even though you don't know them, right? Even though you don't know of them and you don't know them, they still live within you. They still live within you. Absolutely. So um, sometimes I've had folks, um, and even myself in my own healing journey, I've just invited or, you know, gone inside and just say, let, let me just call upon an ancestor. Like, let me just call and say, mm. you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, visualize myself walking in, on a path I'm going to visualize and just see who's there see who's there to greet me and if I feel uncomfortable I can set boundaries and I can say like you know give me space right and this is some of what Daniel you know Daniel Ford's work right mm-hmm, yeah. um and so I've learned I've learned some of this through through there through the ancestral medicine work um and also just like intuitively when you think about what just feels good for your system is it going to walk in nature and just looking at the trees and just speaking to the trees is it is it you know going inside and just you know seeing or or asking yeah for an ancestor to show themselves and then just go with that right just go with that you don't have to really have the answers you can also create you can also Mm. that that's part of what we can do today right Mm. for what for when we become ancestors, yeah, we yeah. can create practices based on just what intuitively comes to us from what we know about our lineage and gift that, recreate that as, um, as, an, as another healing resource for ourselves. Uh, you know, I you mentioned Daniel Four. I remember I did a meditation with him once um, as a group. We did a, a group meditation, and I remember the very first time he guided us to the ancestral fire. I, I don't know if you've done mm. that meditation Mm-mm. with him, Mm-mm. and um, and he, you know, it was it was guided. So he he was just asking, you know, who shows up for you? Who's in that fire? And I only saw abuelitas, women. Mm. I didn't see any 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 um men or men I, I didn't see one man in that in that circle and that has always stayed with me that initial image and and continuously as I've I've evolved in my own healing and ancestral connection journey it's always been female grandmothers um very maternal figures that show up for me how has it been for you who shows up for you I'm just curious when you go there and you ask okay show up for me you know show me now what shows up for you 
Gosh, I, I really appreciate that question. Immediately, I, I'm closing my eyes, right? Because I, to, to visualize. <clears throat> so there is this, this um, a masculine chief oh. is the person that really shows up. And, and this mm. person shows up really, um, he, sh- um, he showed up in a lot of trainings that I was in when I was, when I was um, doing mm. IFS, actually, when I started my level one, he shows up when I'm feeling ancestral rage. When like when mm. I'm feeling rage that I know is not connected to something that necessarily has happened directly to me, but more of like, if I'm feeling there is some, you know, there, there's something racist yeah. happening in this environment. Like I feel like this, like this um, inner fire. Like I feel like a heat wow. and yeah. I always, I, I see him there and he's always presented himself. So he's been, so I've had several cause there's also someone that comes along with him, but he is really um, the person that, that I'm most familiar, that I'm most familiar with. And he's just really like, embodies that ancestral rage but he also comes with I mean there's a there's a there's a lot of people also surrounding him Mm, yeah has that practice for you evolved over time or has it you know I've heard from a lot of people where they they're connected but then they shut it away because they're scared or it it, they because of all the religious programming that we've been part of um or have you always been open to those messages I think it's been both for me. Um, is it fear? I think it's not so much fear of meeting them. It's more of like what could open that maybe I don't feel like I have enough um, knowledge to close by myself. Um, or it used to be what people would think of me. I think that's what it used to be back then. It's not that, it's not, not that anymore at all. Um, it's more of like, you know, really wanting to pace myself so I'm not feeling so flooded and overwhelmed by other uh, <clears throat> answers that, ancestors that might come in, maybe that are unwell, that are not well in spirit, right? That are more unwell. Um, and feeling like, oh my gosh, how am I going to protect myself from that? But then also, as I say that, I also um, feel connected with my own protective guides. So I know that they will be there. I know my spirit team will be there too. So mm. it's kind of really just yeah. going through that journey. Yeah, absolutely. Slowly. And I, you know, I know for the folks listening, they might think like, what are they talking about? This is all, you know, sounds very woo-woo. But you know what? You know, yeah. one of the interesting, <laughs> the reasons why I love internal family systems theory is because there's space for this there's space to connect with with our ancestral um, wisdom and it allows for us to to be able to use our creativity to help to connect with that with that ancestral wisdom and to also heal from what Mm -hmm. we're going through now which I think is beautiful and whether you believe in it Rosa, I don't hear you anymore. Okay, can you hear me now? Yep. Okay, sorry, I don't know what happened. (laughs) Uh, What was I saying right before it cut off? You were saying that and yeah. Yeah, no, you know, so even if you don't believe in it, um, mm-hmm. when, because, you know, let me, let me go back to, to say that I was, um, I was in therapy at some point, not too long ago, and I had a therapist that was, that was certified in IFS, and over, you know, we, we met for a few times, and then naturally, something came up during our session where she asked me about uh, who, who was that, you know, that part, and uh, you know, what do they look like? And, you know, how the age and I was kind of going with it. And she guided me through this, um, through this process of unburdening really that my mm-hmm. lineage and sending healing back to them. And yeah. that was such a powerful and healing experience for me. And it had nothing to do with, you know, just 
being a medium or seeing my ancestors right ghosts because so many people are scared of that right Right. It, it it was literally what came through for me in that moment of my healing was understanding that that particular issue that I was dealing with at that point didn't start with me it went way mm-hmm. back and in order for me mm-hmm. to heal I had to connect with with that source almost that lineage right yeah so for me it was just yes. powerful and and I you know it's, how I don't know how how that journey has been for you or for the the, the folks that you work with it is really powerful it's really powerful, especially when you talk about what you just named right now, passing down the burdens, right? Mm-hmm. Passing them through the lineages so that we can um, bring it back. But sometimes it's even, um, I know for me, I've had, I felt guilt to do that because I'm like, well, this burden doesn't even really belong to them either because they didn't create this. This happened mm-hmm. from, you know, the ancestral, this happened yeah. from, this came from historical trauma. Right. So I don't want to pass it down can we all just collaborate on how we want to do this together? And, and it can be um, releasing these burdens, right? Again, releasing these energies that we've taken on or the beliefs about ourselves or about um, our lineage and, and all of that stuff, releasing it to the elements, right? How do I want to release mm, it? Yeah. Do I want to release it to the fires where I want to like rip it up and you know, put it in the air or dig it in the, in the, in the ground, right? How do we compost this? How do we compost it mm-hmm. so that we are, you know, when they say making lemons out of lemonade, but how do we compost it in a way where we are growing and becoming something even stronger? I'm just mm-hmm. thinking about that Mexican proverb, right? That says we, they tried to bury us, but they didn't know mm-hmm. we were seeds. Yeah. 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 And, you know, and for the folks listening, there's a whole chapter in your book about this, right? Yes. And it's lovely. I I read it and I, it was, it just, it just resonates so deeply because it it is so intuitive. If we're open to it, we can, we realize, or you, or you can realize how natural it is to be able to connect to, to this wisdom, because like you said, it's, it's connect, it's part of nature. Right. Right. And we all have ancestors. (laughs) We all came from somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And they, they live on through us, right. Through our, our DNA and just our presence here. It's an expression of them. Yeah. Right. Natalie, let's go. So I want to talk about your book and um, tell me how was the process of writing the pain we carry and writing this book? How was this for you as a writer Uh and on your own? Because you mentioned you're still very much healing from a lot of these things that you discussed. How did it help your journey? How did it it move along your journey? Oh, yeah, Rosa. So um writing this book was really hard it was really hard um the book that is published is not the book that I was writing originally it transformed oh. over oh, wow. the yeah. writing um and I, and I mean to the point that the table the table of contents even looked different like oh, it was just, yeah. everything was so different um I definitely I struggled in the beginning and I talk about this in my intro. I struggled in the beginning a lot because it became very heady. Like I didn't want to go there. I didn't, I didn't want to put my soul in it. Like I wanted to just speak from a safe place, speak, speak from a very intellectual place. I wanted to intellectualize the whole book, <laughs> right? I wanted to just like, I'm going to cite this and I'm going to do this. And, um, and then my publisher like they were like, we have to have a meeting because like essentially when I'm falling asleep, when I'm reading your book, that tells me that this is way too intellectual and like we need to do something about this. And they, yeah. you know, I, I told them like, you know, I, they wanted me to write in my natural voice. And that was the very first time that I, that anyone has ever said, we want your natural voice to be included in this. Because usually it's, yeah. You write too casual. You da 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 da. Mm. Like it's always it's always a 
criticism about how yeah, I speak, absolutely. my accent, my yeah. this, my that, right? So mm. you always, again, because I have this internalized yeah. racism and I want, and yeah. I've learned to assimilate that, uh, that the, or I've learned that the goal is assimilation, that I had to write a certain way. And so I was like, you know, trying to put all the big words into the book and all that. Um, and then the, the, the consequence of that was that I was not connecting to my readers. I wasn't connecting to my readers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so having that permission to, to write mm-hmm. from my natural voice was like a big thing. And that's, you know, and it also dawned on me and that was like, wow, like that, it is a privilege to grow up not being critiqued, not having your natural voice be critiqued. It's a privilege. It's a privilege mm-hmm. To not be told that you have to assimilate to yeah. whiteness, that you have to assimilate. So it was a struggle. And and, and, and I did find myself um, pandering to the white people that would read my book and like, do mm. I have enough to cite this? Because people are going to say, cite this. Tell me where you got right. this from, right? Um, and so I found myself doing that in the beginning. And so I talk about it in my intro and I talk about like white supremacy. That is the insidiousness of white supremacy culture, that it made its way into my book for. BIPOC, right? That mm. it made that that a book that was supposed to be centering the lived experiences of the global majority is having me write from a place where I can't even connect. So having that conversation with my publisher became uh, a really pivotal moment for me. And then I started writing from my natural voice, um, even cusses here and there and and really just writing as if I was speaking to someone across the room and we were just having a conversation, you know, individually about just what they were holding and just you know suggestions that maybe I had about that or just witnessing like I I really wanted this book to be about people feeling witnessed to having their pain feel witnessed because I think so much of our lives we are waking up and going to sleep feeling so unseen and unwitnessed even by ourselves right like we don't see ourselves Right, we avoid all of that. So I really wanted this book to be a witnessing. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, thank you, thank you for sharing that. And and I think it it comes through in terms of your voice. When I was reading it, I know how you talk, and I hear you, and I heard your voice through it. And Mm. and I appreciate it too. How even though I'm a therapist, and even though I understand certain concepts, the way you explained it just makes it so much more relatable. Like you, Mm. I can actually see it play out in my life um, versus just reading like a definition a scholarly or academic definition of a specific (laughs) term you you share very scholarly academic concepts but in a way that 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 is relatable for everyone and you know one of the things I don't know where I heard this but someone (laughs) someone uh I think I was an Oprah or somewhere I heard that the way you know if someone knows truly knows what they're talking about is if they can simplify it right mm-hmm. any if if you if people don't understand what you're saying then that means that you don't really understand what you're saying right <laughs> right? right and it, so i i got that from your book and i really appreciated that yeah thanks so much so, yeah thanks thank so much. you that, for, that for putting it me. out yeah thank you for putting it out and and I'm just curious what was your original vision for the book because you said you had a different different table of contents what was your what your original book about there were two different <laughs> table of content um and so the first one was just a, a book in general because I I was asked to write a book about complex trauma so I said okay mm-hmm. here are all the things complex trauma and yeah. then the person said okay, write a book from your heart about complex Mm, trauma. Like what is the book from your heart about complex trauma? And I said, well, the book about, from my heart about complex trauma isn't just a general book. It's really a book about complex trauma that, that includes the centering of people of color, of the global majority. It includes complex trauma and how it shows up for us. And then they said, okay, write that. And so that's how that book came to be. And I'm really appreciative that, you know, the editor gave me that question because anything that I would have written differently would have not been from my heart. This was really like what feels so important and sacred to me. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and it, it's wonderful. I, I loved it. And I recommend everyone listening to thank you. Thank you. a copy of your book. <laughs> and it's sold thank everywhere, you. right? Wherever yeah. books are sold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Uh, Natalie, for the folks that would love to get to know more about you and, and your work, how can people find you? And how can they learn about how to work with you either through groups or through, mm-hmm. um, you know, whatever you're offering online, how can they find you? I think the easiest way for folks to find me is through Instagram. So that's really the only social media that I have at the moment, which is um, my IG handle is at Natalie Gutierrez LMFT. And then they can also find me on my website, www.traumacounselingnyc.com. And I'm going to be putting together a newsletter, uh, an email news list newsletter. So when that happens, I'm probably going to announce it on, um, on IG. So folks can tune into that as well. Wonderful. And I will include it in the show notes as well. So folks can just click on that. Thank you, Natalie, so much for your time. Thank you. And I hope for you to come back at another time, maybe on your next book for your next book. Yeah, right. I hope yes. so. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Okay, thank, thank you, you for Natalie. having me. Rosa. Of course. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope that you found it healing and nourishing to your mind and soul. If there's a friend that you think would benefit from listening to this information, please share it. Share about our podcast. If you feel called to, please leave us a review as this really, really helps boost our presence here in Apple Podcasts and it makes it easier for others to find us to stay up to date on new episode releases and special events and projects that I'm working on. You can follow us on Instagram at Inner Healing Paths Podcast, and you can subscribe to my newsletter by going to my website, which is rosachettilcsw.com. And I will include this information and links in the show notes. Once again, thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to sharing with you again next time.